Sasswa is a podcast about Bigfoot. It's recorded for the skeptics, the believers, the knowers, and those who just have a casual interest in the subject. For more information, visit sasswa.com. This is Saswa, a podcast about Bigfoot. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove. I'm joined tonight by my pal, Mark Matsky. Greetings from Southeast Ohio. And tonight, these Southeastern Ohioans are talking about Bigfoots around the world. Um, is Bigfoots applicable here? Should I well, say you, something else? You know what? I have heard... Uh a couple conflicting reports on that, and I have, okay. I've said big feet, which I've read subsequently is just really stupid <laughs> to say. Yeah. yeah, that's what I hear. <laughs> like Bigfoot is sort of like Bigfoot is one of those terms. Evidently, that whether singular or plural, it's still Bigfoot. So you can have sure. five Bigfoot having a party. But I guess what I'm asking though is like if if it's a if it's a giant hairy primate walking uh, on two legs in say China, is it still a Bigfoot or Ah. I mean I mean do we call them just prime giant bipedal primates? Right. Well, that's actually a very prescient question uh, because GBP the whole. (laughs) Discussion of Bigfoot, this and this kind of bleeds into uh, an upcoming episode, actually, about how mm-hmm. media shapes the perception of of Bigfoot in sure. total, sure, and how that's a relatively recent term. Uh, before that, it was all kinds of things: abominable snowman and uh, wild man and stuff. Things mm-hmm. that we've talked about in the you know the newspaper past of North America. Sure. So I, I guess you can say Bigfoot around the world, but then you have to take a careful look at what's being reported. And some cases it does fit, some cases not so much. And you get into like more monkey style creatures actually being reported. Yeah, like the Orang Pendek. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, and even uh, just out and out giant monkeys. <laughs> it, gets, okay. it, it runs a spectrum. But there okay. are the the giant monkeys, the devil monkeys, uh, stuff with tails can get huh. lumped in here sometimes. Enlighten me about the the, the giant monkeys. The giant monkey. They... Okay. Well, a lot of these reports come out of Asia, and mm-hmm. one example would be simply the great monkey of Nepal, and you know that stands about five feet tall. There were two physicians, uh, George Moore and uh, staff member George Brooks. They were in Kathmandu. They were in the edge of a forest at about 17,000 feet. And they heard a scream and the sound of thrashing leaves. And they saw a hideous face with grayish skin, black eyebrows, yellowish teeth, beady yellow eyes. 
and had black hands, sinewy, hairy body, two long fangs, and six or seven other creatures approached through the mist, and they, according to the report, they got about ten feet away. They fired their guns above the heads of the great monkeys, and, you know, the, the main detail that they noticed as the creatures fled were uh, big, long tails. So, you know, they... At first, these guys thought that they had encountered the abominable snowman, the Yeti. But uh, when they got to a place in northern Indochina, Kantum, the locals said, no, no, that's an enormous monkey that walks on its hind legs, and it's pretty vicious. And they call them the Kradon or the Beckbok. So we've got baboon-like giant monkeys in uh, relatively... Uh, close proximity to alleged yeti reports and there's there's devil monkey reports in the states too right that's correct some of them uh from the southernmost part of the state we find ourselves in yeah yeah by wayne okay so before we move on and discuss other uh global types of of uh hairy primate um what do you make of reports of of these things? Like when when I first started getting into the subject, I used to say that it was uh, a pro. Like it's a it's a how do how do you how do you even put it? It's in favor of there being you know one of these uh, uh, Bigfoot creatures because there are these global reports. You know, well, why would there be this many reports around the globe? of these upright walking creatures if they didn't exist, you know, in every country that only widens the swath of, you know, reports and that kind of thing. But the older I get, the less in the less in favor of these things uh, I am because it just seems so odd to me that this creature would exist on every continent because there, there really isn't anything that exists on every continent, right? I mean, and there do seem to be reports of these things everywhere. Yeah. Well, I suppose somebody could come back at that by saying, well, there's people on every continent. So if uh, if these are... True? Are there people? I'm <laughs> going to have to so. leave this. I'm going to have to leave this world. <laughs> uh, that's true, actually. I mean, I guess I guess you could say that. Um, I mean, it's a sad statement, but it is true. Yeah. Huh. So is that, I mean, mean, explore that some more though. I mean, what, uh, because I think it does argue for, if not the existence of a real creature, then at least some sort of memory that exists in humanity or something, because otherwise why make up a. You know, why invent a hairy wild man of the woods? You could invent, you know, the imagination could invent anything. Because to me, it it speaks to that idea that, um, that what's his name? Uh, Pi, is it, that wrote the the book I love, that Dark Divide book? Oh, Um, Pyle. Pyle. Yeah. It speaks to what he talks about where he kind of talks about um, how... At one point, he talks about how this might be some sort of ingrained uh, p- part of the human psyche that wants to go back out into the wild, like uh, th- that has this desire to return to being, you know, 
uh, hunter gatherers living in the woods and and just you know seeking shelter and and that's how you live and and maybe this somehow feeds into this psyche around the world this psychological phenomenon around the world where people see hairy apes because we see ourselves returning to our natural state shrugging and, off the vagaries of civilization yes yeah i mean it's it's out it's it, honestly a a, a Something like that is as far-fetched to me as the idea of there being a Bigfoot, but it's something worth exploring. I mean, if we're going to explore the idea of an undiscovered primate on every continent around the globe, then we have to explore what the psychological ramifications would be if there is no, you know, yes. Bigfoot. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's fascinating, really. Mm -hmm. And I think, too, that... You could flip that entire discussion on its head and say one thing that does seem to uh, make a case for the fact that these are real creatures is that they are reported most everywhere. And the thing that is somewhat stunning, however, once you say that, is that for the most part they have all succeeded in remaining undiscovered. Yeah, yeah. That's the part that you get stuck on if you're really taking the discussion seriously. Yeah, what it, do you make of that? I don't know. I, have no I mean, because it, it's it's far fetched enough. And when I say far fetched, I'm not saying I don't I don't give credence to Bigfoot. Uh, I'm a member of the North American Wood Ape Conservancy. I obviously have some some you know belief that this thing could exist. Um, but when I'm talking about when you widen these reports to globally and then you're saying, okay, so in every country around the world, no one has come across a dead Bigfoot and turned it into someone. There's no bones. There's no globally. I mean, billions of people around the world um, in the woods, walking through the woods, driving around on roads, and someone hasn't hit one of these things yet. Someone hasn't shot one of these things yet. I mean, I know I sound, you know, typically uh, like a typical skeptic. I'm just speaking devil's advocate here. Sure. When you widen it to a to the global reports, I I think it actually, to me, is detrimental. Yeah, and it's a a question that demands careful inspection. There's no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. And I, I really, I enjoy that, the psychological angle of it. Exploring that is, in my opinion, probably a key to understanding the discussion, sure. behind the discussion, if you will. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's, okay, let's get back to talking about these uh, obviously uh, exotic travelers, uh, the Bigfoot nomads. Uh, what are some of these species? What are they called? I mean, everyone knows the the, the Yowie. That's Australia. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got the Yaren. That's uh, is that a, a generalized? Is that Asia or is that? I, I mean, sort you, of specifically, that's China. China, mm -hmm. China. Okay, and, and we got even, obviously even like uh, to the point where you're narrowing it down to various provinces in China. Mm -hmm. It's fairly specific. And we can, we can stop on any of these if you want, but I'm just kind of running through them real quick. Mm -hmm. And then we have, uh, did I say Yowie? 
Yes. Australia? Yes. yes. That's what I started. I've only mm-hmm. said two. My memory is slipping, Mark. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> Actually, a 93-year-old man <laughs> in a 33-year-old's body. Um, is it, help me out here. What else do we have? Do well, we have... I mean, the granddaddy, of course, is the Yeti. Yeti. Yes. And, you know, you could... We could talk about you. Uh, you I don't know. Did you mention the Mop and Gwery earlier on? The, they were talking had, about Brazil. If I had mentioned something called the Mop and Gwery, <laughs> I think you'd remember. I can't even say that. I've never, I've never even question. heard of it. Uh, the Wudu, there's the Wudawasa or Woodwos. 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 There were in you know in European sure areas then the big gray man uh, from Scotland yeah oh boy you know then you get into uh, well you, North American stuff sure. as well devil monkeys uh, skunk apes as we talked about and then the various you know if if there are groupings of Bigfoot. In North America, the the big guys and the little guys and things like that. So, so those are just a, a representative grouping. There's there's all there's lots more. There's can we talk might, Yeti? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Yes, um, indeed. The civilized world first became aware of such creatures when stories began to drift back from travelers in the remote Himalayas. As early as 1857 giant footprints were spotted. In 1906, a man-like creature walking upright on two legs was seen in Sikkim by English explorer H.J. Elwes. But the subject was not taken seriously until a group of British climbers attempted to be the first to reach the top of Mount Everest, the highest mountain in the world. Give us a quick rundown of, of the Yeti. Yeah. The Yeti came out of reports that were made in the 50s, and really it was it was the Yeti first, people need to recall, that really penetrated the consciousness of North American folks through the media. And it's sort of a combination of a couple things. I mean, one is longstanding traditions in Nepal, and uh, Sherpas really sort of dealing with this creature in, you know, assuming that it's real and some of them seeing it from time to time. One of the most well-known accounts of that is of a Sherpa uh, by the name of Sen Tensing, who was associated with uh, Sir Edmund Hillary, saw one at fairly close range, like about 25 yards away in bright moonlight. And so he was very upfront about it and just mentioned that he had had this encounter. The The thing that really propelled Yeti into international notoriety was, of course, uh, the Eric Shipton and the photographs that he obtained. And most people listening to this show have probably seen those photographs of sort of a shovel-shaped print with a fairly large big toe and, and right. things like that. Um, you know, they followed those tracks allegedly for over two miles. And uh, the thing that's interesting to me, and, and again, most people are probably aware of this, is that Abominable Snowman 
as wild and imaginative as a, a name that is, isn't really what it's called in Nepal. That was sort of a mistranslation of uh, the original language. Uh, yete or yeti actually means something equivalent to um, that there thing. So sort of a what is it type of deal. But right. of course, Abominable Snowman just grabs the imagination and it took off like wildfire. And, you know, that it's, it is wrapped up in uh, some religious tradition among uh, various monks, monasteries in Nepal. And I'll actually have a little bit more to talk about with regard to that in our next episode about uh, media and uh, media shaping perceptions of Bigfoot-like creatures. Ooh, a teaser. Um, <clears throat> the, the Yeti is actually, I think, when I started getting interested in all of this uh, stuff, that the Yeti was, was kind of one of the first things that really drew me in. Because, you know, you're talking about this far-flung area of the world, Nepal. I'm never going to go there. I don't know anything about it. It doesn't look like there's a lot of people there. It's believable, especially down in those temperate um kind of almost like tropical areas in the valleys over there um you could see something living undiscovered because it's this very obviously vegetative green you know habitat with few human beings wandering through it um i've always found the the yeti mythology so fascinating you know obviously a lot of it has to do with swift and burn and you know their research and and uh uh, hunting for the creature. I mean, if I love those early days of of this subject, especially, I find that history so interesting. And I don't know. I always put a lot of stock into the Yeti, um, maybe even more so than than the Bigfoot, until the last, I guess, year or two. And now I am back to not knowing <laughs> if I think any, if I put any more credence into that than I do Sasquatch. Right. Um, just because various things, I guess, like, I think Sykes' DNA study was very interesting. I know that actually some of that stuff has since been kind of shot down, if I'm not mis- mistaken. I think some of the things that he's claimed about that extinct polar bear has been ripped apart, hmm. if I'm not mistaken. But um, I don't know. I love the idea of it. I just don't know if I buy it. I don't know if I buy there being some primate running around uh in the himalayas you know um i just don't know yeah i don't know what you're you're not alone in that i think especially the first part of your statement people love that idea and i think Mm -hmm. it's it's hard to overstate in the 1950s how much people really loved that idea and ran with it and you know there's a whole subgenre of abominable snowman movies that came out all in a Mm -hmm. burst in the 50s because people were just taken with that idea. And a couple sort of misconceptions, I think, that have come up about Yeti. One you alluded to, and that is Yeti most likely doesn't live up in the snow belt of that great mountain range, Mm -hmm. Um, nor is he all white in most cases that are reported. But he lives down in the temperate zone, and when he does go up into the snow, it's probably to migrate from one place to another using the uh, fairly untrodden paths of uh, those high peaks. 
Although, you know, on a complete tangent, it sounds like there's an awful lot of people trying to scale Everest these days to a detrimental effect, you know, in terms of right. loss of life and things like that. Yeah, it's a. It's probably part of that. Uh, the the difficulty of even traveling in that area that makes it so romantic. I mean, it's such a romantic notion that there's this man-like creature that goes where we we have such a hard time traveling. And I don't know. I just, I, I. It's just it's one of those things you don't know. I don't know what to make of it any more than I do any of these. Um, I will say of all of these, and this is moving on to the next thing, uh, cause we're actually running low on time already. Um, the Orang Pendek, I find, I find very interesting. More than 17,500 separate islands in Southeast Asia, a diverse and dangerous place of active volcanoes, dense rainforests, tigers, poisonous snakes, and rhinos. But there may be something else hiding here, a creature that locals have reported for centuries and scientists are only now examining. Said to be half man, half ape, mostly referred to as Orang Pendek, which in Indonesian means short person. I turned to the guide and said, you know, what is this? And, and his hand was shaking like this. And the, the number, the, there's a huge number of witnesses to this thing, and some of the track uh, casts are so fascinating. In fact, I've seen some of them in person. Um, the track casts are so interesting. And then the, you know, just the, the, um, believability of some of the witnesses. One of the people who swears they've seen him is like a UN, some sort of UN member. And there's just, what do you make of the Orang Pendek? And give us a, a brief rundown of what this is. Well, Orang Pendek is considered by a few experts, I think, to be probably the most likely of these mystery primates to be discovered and they're smaller in stature they seem to be from the stuff that i've gotten they seem to be more truly ape-like than man-like and Mm -hmm. you know the the orangutan connection uh, in the name itself sort of gets at that Um, you're right i mean there's people like uh, anthropologists and british photographers who have found footprints and actually seen Orang Pendek as it sort of roams the mountains. Uh, there's a Mount uh, Car- uh, Mount Carency, 13,000-foot peak, uh, deep in the uh, national park in one of those regions. And it just seems like the, um, the relative closeness of some major areas, uh, concentration of civilization to these wilder regions makes it likely that they may actually be found. Uh, Debbie Martyr is the British photographer that I referenced earlier, and she's quoted in uh, Lauren Coleman's book, Field Guide to Bigfoot, Yeti, and Other Mystery Primates. She asks, are we wiping out species before we even know formally that they exist? And she asked that rhetorically in reference to the Orang Pendek. So it just seems like um, people, for some reason, feel that they're closer to getting answers on that particular creature than others. Yeah, it's it's a more uh, 
biologically, I guess, or the the descriptions of this thing seem much more believable mm-hmm. too. I mean, when you think of it, because it just sounds like a kind of a big uh, chimp, right? You know, it's it's just a larger scaled version of that, and obviously, it does seem to walk on two feet. But I don't know. I find it. I find the reports I've heard of this uh, to be very believable. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the Yaren, China. We addressed this a little bit, but this very much sounds like. Bigfoot in China. I mean, when you hear reports of it, there isn't a whole lot to separate it from Sasquatch reports, right? The wild man. I saw two that looked human. They were standing. Smaller ones have been seen from, say, five foot five, but right up to seven foot, like over two meters tall. The sound was comparable to a human sound, but the pitch was higher. Standing upright and walking on two legs which is the most distinctive characteristic, obviously, that, that I'm most intrigued by. The footprint is 17 inches long. Yeah, definitely. If you're working on a continuum, um, he's well more in the direction of Bigfoot than, and say, an Orang Pendek, for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about sort of an average height of six and a half feet. So right away, without that type of stature, you're looking at a, a Bigfoot description, certainly more human-like in facial features, um, thick red-brown hair, and uh, certainly red, no tail. Uh, that's that's fitting, though, the red, because yeah. uh, it's well known that the Yaren is a communist. <laughs> Card-carrying <laughs> Mao Comrade. has uh, carrying an old weather-beaten copy of... Uh, yeah. Chairman Mao's writings. Yeah, definitely. Um, the the Yaren is like a national treasure over there, if I'm not mistaken. Like, they have a whole refuge set up for these mm-hmm. things. Um, and then there's the, the weird, like, um, statues. Have you seen those pictures of the statues that look like a Bigfoot? Uh, very, very beloved, apparently, over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and cool. culturally, I mean, they have poets who have written about the Yaren, or not the Yaren per se, but a hairy creature called the Shangui. Mm-hmm. And this is a poet going back to like uh, like 300 BC. Yeah. So there is absolutely a, a cultural heritage going on with regard to Yaren and other like uh, even bigger creatures sometimes reported the the Ginsung or Bear Man mm-hmm. in some of the South Central China provinces, and that sort of bleeds into Tibet, Nepal. So some intriguing stuff there, certainly. Yeah. Um, tell us about this Brazilian. Did you say it was a Brazilian? Yes. The weird one that I couldn't pronounce? The Mapanguari. Yeah, there you go. Tell us about that. <laughs> Yeah, well, the Mapanguiri, and this was uh, explored on, uh, there was an episode of, uh, what was that, Pat Spain, or do you know who I'm talking about? He's kind of a young yeah. guy. Yeah, I've watched that show. Uh, I cannot think of what it's called, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, he had a whole Mapanguiri episode, and that's kind of what I'm drawing on to a certain degree and 
there we were talking about really a, a true hybrid of man and ape standing about five and a half feet tall with sort of bottle-like footprints, um, mostly red-haired, uh, bipedal most of the time, really, really long arms. Uh, the renowned cryptozoologist Bernard Heuvelman speculated that it was an ape that was really uh, adapted to living in trees, it had really, really curved toes, walked on kind of the outside edge of the foot, and um, there's been some fairly close-up reports, uh, people getting about 40 yards away from one, and it making a lot of scary sort of uh, wild, dismal cries is sort of the the phrase in this report here that I'm looking at. Um, Yowie, Australian, mm -hmm. uh, they surf a lot and um, carry big knives. Really, yeah, they <laughs> they talk with a great accent. Uh, they wear hats yeah. made of alligator uh, pelts. Is that a thing? Pelts? No, that's uh, that's all wrong. But anyway, Vegemite um, sandwich. You know, yeah, the whole deal. Uh, I don't know anything about the Yowie. I got to be completely honest with you. I know nothing. I haven't, I've never, I don't even know that I've ever read like a sighting report. Uh, the, the closest I've come to learning about the Yowie is from the uh, Finding Bigfoot episode that was in mm -hmm. Australia. So enlighten me on this one. Yowie is a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of times you'll get reports of in the outback. And uh, it seems like these creatures seem to stick to the brush kind of pop out at people. Um, the A weird feature of the Yowie is that it has a relatively small head in in light of the rest of its body size. Um, mm -hmm. So if you imagine like a six-foot-tall creature having a, a relatively small head, but then the body sort of is like in a pear shape and it gets bigger uh, the, the further down that you go. Um you know, Aborigines, I guess, have a tradition of hairy man reports. Um, various names include the Yahoo, or and which is probably where Yowie came from. Mm -hmm. In the late 19th century is when you've got your white settlers who are getting their impression and making their reports of an ape-like creature. Now, one of the strange elements is that the in some many cases, especially the older ones, it seems like the footprints were very, very long and had four toes rather than five. And really it's there's it gets into the realm of many, many hundreds and perhaps thousands, but maybe not that many of Yowies, um largely in the south. Central coastal regions as well, um, but that's really they're in the the southern region. Evidently, sort of a, a typical report is one like this: Charles Harper coming back from camping in the jungle, um, threw some kindling into their fire, and suddenly a huge man-like animal appeared in the firelight and stood there for about 
for many minutes, 20 yards away, growling, grimacing, and thumping his breast with huge hand-like paws. Huh. So it's... um, I don't know that it's necessarily aggressive, necessarily, Mm -hmm. but it seems to be attracted to folks who are out and camping, and and this is sort of... uh, typical of the reports you know it the first few yards it stood on two feet but then to gain speed it would drop down on all fours and uh, go through the navigate the low scrub that way Mm -hmm. and now obviously there's i mean there's other places these things are seen most the the one that springs to mind obviously uh is russia there's a big russian Bigfoot culture. Uh, there's a community, a pretty large community over there. Um, d- r- talk real quick about Russia. Oh, my. Yes, uh, the Almas are mm-hmm. the well-regarded and studied creatures. Um, you know, we're talking about really, in many respects, Bigfoot as we imagine him, except not quite as big you know five to six feet tall is kind of the average range of an adult almas uh, covered in reddish or or black hair Mm -hmm. Um, often observed at dusk Um, almas means wild man in mongolian and they're narrowed down to a fairly discreet region Uh, the altai mountains and Western Mongolia and the Tian Shan Mountains of uh, China. And the first printed reference dates back to the 15th century with a sighting by uh, a man named Hans uh, Schiltberger, a nobleman from Bavaria. And in the late 18th century, a manuscript on natural history treated these as just normal regional animals. You know, thrown in with all the other uh, fauna of that area. Um, members of modern scientific groups continue to kind of study and collect eyewitness sightings. And even up to, you know, the 70s and even into uh, modern times, there's a, a sense. And then you get into sort of the murky netherworld of stories about, you know, the Russian government kind of having a true bead on these creatures and knowing a oh, lot yes. about them but yes yeah um so again we're barely scratching the surface of this subject right I think we're gonna have to come back to this uh at some point but give us a sum up a summation on uh these reports the thing when you really dig into the details of these around-the-world reports, what jumps to the surface is that it's not uniform at all in what's being reported. I mean, you could say, I suppose, that we're dealing with a undiscovered primate, but at that point, the details, there's a departure, and a wild departure in some cases, where the last thing that we're talking about here is that an eight-foot, 
Pacific Northwest Bigfoot can be found on every continent. Uh, hopefully, we've not given that impression because that's not what the reports suggest. What it does suggest is that should these things be real, they are all over the map in terms of size and weight, how ape-like they are versus how human-like they may appear. How you know, even down to how many toes, how many um, fingers do they have? So it goes back to sort of our initial conversation. I think is. You know, are we talking about real undiscovered animals that simply haven't been documented or brought in for further examination? Or are we talking about something else that kind of resides in our psyche that wants to and kind of needs for this creature to exist in the woods and for us to wish that uh, we kind of were them? Join the conversation at facebook.com slash sasswhat. Find us on Twitter by using the hashtag sasswhat, or you can find me on Twitter at SethBreedsLove. Mark Matsky is on Twitter at Reverend Matsky. Send your letters to sasswhatmail at gmail.com and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. (laughs) 